What's going on, guys? AJ here. So I think what I want to do today is I want to kind of carve out my own little niche here. You know, one thing I've been thinking about as I am putting together E1B2 Brands, which is going to be the holding company to a multitude of different brands, products, services, um, and, and, and things that we do, um, you know, what, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to carve out uh, not only my own little niche, but trying to carve out my personal message, try to carve out my personal perspective, try to carve out um, my personal core themes. And I, and I think I've done a decent job of that, but I want to get incredibly clear around what I believe, you know, what E1B2 genuinely means and, and, and how companies can tangibly go about it. Um, my most recent podcast with Jonathan Melissa Nightingale um, they really pushed me to, to be very tangible around the content I deliver because they did that. Uh, they, they killed it. They crushed it. And that will be edited and posted hopefully within the next 24 hours. Um, but besides that, I, I guess what I want to do again is just kind of jump into uh, a few things I have around uh, the OS something that I've been thinking about as well, which is the operating system, the foundation of brands and kind of go into a lot of different buckets and just get as tangible and as granular as I can to try to really, again, just carve out a niche, carve out an understanding so that when you guys hear or see or are a part of brands and certain practices are, are occurring or different policies are being put in place or, 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 or different ways of working and thinking are happening, you can identify and point to that and say, that's E1B2, that's, that's AJ, that's Naya, that's all the other people that are gonna be a part of this organization. That's, that's the E1B2 way of working. And you know, we, we, are, we salute that, right? I, I want that. And I, and I think there's a lot of examples of that in all different types of brands. And, and being as though I'm trying to make E1B2 be more of a holding company and, and hold uh, a number of different services and brands and programs, I really think it needs to have an identity and a core. Um, so I'm just going to go into a couple that I'm just thinking of off the top of my head. I probably wrote, I'd say one, two probably about 15 different things here, but I'm just going to jump off, uh, uh, you know, jump off of a few here and see what I can do. So let's talk about decision-making. Um, you know, for, for me, as it pertains to E1B2, from the E1B2 lens, I think decision-making needs to look a little something like this. For me, I think, you know, br you know, leaders need to, number one, ask themselves, you know, who are they at a natural level? And what I mean by that is, you know, if you are a leader that you know naturally in your heart, you like you you believe genuinely you have the best decisions um, in the room, and that's kind of the way you like to work, and you like you like things being crafted and molded around your centralized perspective, and then you're open to getting feedback. What I think would be helpful, and actually, as I pause, let me pause for a moment. I know that's even contradictory, so just follow with me though, because I know. Even what I just said is pretty contradictory to the norm in this space, right? Like a lot of people believe that, you know, ideas should not be centralized. But but one thing that I'm trying to do and I'm trying to push myself to do and I'm trying to push anyone that I work with to do is to really rely on and, and get excited about natural strengths and natural perspectives and then work on building new blocks 
building new ways of working, building new pathways in the mind. Um, I, I think there's ways that we can improve someone's natural state, natural behaviors, natural way of working. And, and that's where I want to start. So if you are a leader around decision making where you genuinely believe you have the best ideas in the room and you are best for that particular, um, you are the best for that particular uh, idea and it, it should be crafted with your own personal perspectives in mind, then what I would ask is you're very transparent about that upfront with new hires, with current team members, and you translate that information like something like this. You say, look, guys. You know, for some reason, I don't know if it was my dad, my mom, my first three internships, whatever the case is going to be. I just genuinely believe I have the best ideas in the room right now. That's not to say someone could prove me wrong. But at the moment, you know, I just genuinely believe that. Now, does that mean I'm right? Does that mean I'm the best? Does that mean, you know, I am God or Allah? No. Does that mean um, it's the right way of working? Probably not, but I just want to be transparent with you guys and let you guys know up front what I'm feeling and, 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 and what I'm trying to create here. And as it stands right now, I do believe I have an, enough of the context, most of the context to be able to bring the best ideas to the table for us to act on. Now, I'm, I'm telling you guys this because I want you guys to be comfortable with that. I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from. And frankly, I have empathy for you. Like, Frankly, I understand it's a flaw. I understand it potentially can be looked at and, 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 and deemed a negative. And I, and I get that and I understand that. Now, if any of you guys don't want to work in a company like that, as I try to slowly change my OS, change my foundation, change my perspectives, I will totally hear that, respect that, understand that and give you the options of moving on to another brand and give you a couple opportunities, a couple connections and do my best to place you in a brand that's better positioned. But what I can promise is I am gonna to continue to change. What I can promise is I am gonna to continue to grow. And what I can promise is once I've laid the foundation of where we're going to go, I am very open and very empathetic and very excited about the collaborational opportunities of how to operationalize my strategic vision and give you guys the full reins to do so. So, you know, that's where I'm going to meet you guys in the middle. Now, if you heard a leader say something like that, if you listen to my tonality, if you listen to the words that I used, if you listen to the way that I delivered it, for me personally, and I could be crazy, thinking about employees first, business second, you know, that's me coming to the employees first and saying, look, I know this is a flaw. Look, I know this is an issue. Look, I'm trying to change. But trust me, once we act on this, I'm going to let you guys tell me how it should be operationalized, how we should flush it out. And I'm going to trust you guys blindly because I love you and I care for you and I put you guys in place for a reason. Now, again, what the goal, right, of E1B2, the goal of a lot of people in my space is to inevitably have collaborational decision making, right? Like I, I saw some case study the other day where if 85% of the executive team or 85% of the staff overall does not agree with a, a certain idea or perspective or a way of working, then the idea goes to shit. And I actually like that. I like the idea of most of the individuals, individuals with inside of a company being on the same team 
and beating to the same drum and moving on the same vision. And if that's not the case, we don't act on something. But again, I guess why I wanted to give this out of the box perspective is I want to meet leaders where they are and approve upon their weaknesses, right? Make incre- you know incremental changes, make a 5% difference, a, a 17% difference, a 20% difference, you know, because frankly, that leader six months prior of downloading the E1B2 perspective could have just been a very arrogant, rude, brash asshole. He could sound something like this. Look, this is what we're doing. Don't really care about your opinion. I've been in this industry for 25 years. I think I know best. Andrew, you do that. Sarah, you do that. Derek, you do that. I'll be checking with you in the next 24 to six, you know, to 48 hours to see how things are moving along. If you need any other updates, please reach out to me and I will tell you what to do. That's the way some people work. I've been led by people like that. And if you, if you can hear the tonality and, and, and how I delivered it, completely different, right? Completely different energy, completely different perspective of the way, to way, the way of going about it. So one thing that I do want to be recognized as the leader of E1B2 is we are going to be an organization that meets leaders where they are in the present time. And we're going to try to build upon their flaws and make incremental changes over the course of time instead of trying to make a grand change. What I'm seeing from afar from consultancies and consultants and thought leaders is we're, we're, we're expecting these leaders to make this, this, this vast change, this, this complete shift in their overall way of thinking overnight, over the course of six weeks, over the course of eight weeks. And frankly, that's just not realistic. But I think if you can change their tonality, change their delivery, change the way they work on the second half of a decision-making process and be more, a little bit more collaborative around how they flush out a direction and a vision. I think there's something there that we can build off of. And I think at the end of the day, if they can be transparent enough, honest enough, humble enough, empathetic enough to deliver that information to their employees and say, look, I know it's a flaw X, Y, and Z. I think you got something there. So that's my perspective on decision-making. Um, I want to talk about uh, how we build relationships and sustain them. Um, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot, but I do want to coin, I guess, the E1B2 perspective around this. I believe deep down in my bones, in my soul, that as a leader or as a manager or as a CEO or as a CTO or as a CFO, don't care who you are, frankly, I believe that you should try everything in your power to be a legitimate friend with your employees. I genuinely believe that. Like you put a gun to my head tomorrow, I'll look you dead in the eye, dead down the barrel and say that every day of the week and make you believe it. Like that's just what I inherently believe. And I believe when you bring a new person into your organization, an E1B2 way of doing the work is the first 30 days should be relationship building and reverse engineering that human being as a human being, as well as a worker what's inside of your organization, understanding their desired workflows, understanding their strengths, understanding their weaknesses, understanding their past experiences that were negative, that were positive, understanding where they came from, where they grew up, what their core values are, where those values came from, understanding the first few jobs and some of the server linings and themes that crafted their mold, their perspectives and the way they work currently, understanding their skill gaps. I believe you should do that, right? I also believe you should very much do some happy hours, 
you know, create a book club if you have a certain core group of new hires that are just fascinated by books. I believe you should uh, engage with converse, conversations around music and art if they're really into that. I believe you should try to be a legitimate friend to them and care about them as you would a friend or a family member and you love them first. I just genuinely believe that. The tactics of how you go about that, I really don't want to coin or try to position myself around that, but I do want to position and coin myself around the notion that you should try to be the deepest friend in a 30 to 45 day cycle with your new hires as you can. I just believe that's a smart thing to do. Um, Naya, uh, one of the partners here with E1B2, he can tell you firsthand that was something I tried to do from day freaking one. I wanted to know everything I could and I pushed and I pushed in a very respectful way to understand him, to learn him, to, to, to love him. And, and, and when you do that, you build this thing I call emotional glue. When you do that, you build this relationship that can last and can weather disconnect, that can last and can weather tough conversations, that can last and can weather um, mistakes, that can last and can weather moments of lack of clarity, right? Like, like, like that is the foundation and that is what we need to do here. And so again, just tangibly, how you go about that in your first 30 to 45 days of trying to get a new hire up to speed. I genuinely believe in my heart, those first 30 to 45 days should be about 70% friendship, learning of who they are as a human, learning of who they are as a person, learning of who they are um, from a strengths, weaknesses, skill gaps, workflows, previous bosses, um, you know, you know, you know, career goals, career mapping, you know, IDPs. I, I believe, I believe that is just the smartest thing to do. I like, I just believe it. So that is something that I really want to be respected and known for. And again, just a tip that I would give to any organization. Last thing, let's talk about compensation that I think is very much going to be an E1B2 thing. Putting an employee first around compensation looks a little something like this. Now, as I become a little bit more fond of HR policies, HR law, HR structures, I do understand that you have to be careful and stay away from favoritism. You have to be careful and stay away from individualizing things too much, but as much as you can, right? Because, you know, the E1B2 is very much a religion, a way of thinking, right? A macro perspective. And the way you do it at a very granular level to follow law and to follow compliance, that's that's individual to the industry and individual to the brand. But at a very high level macro way, I believe every single person deserves an opportunity to have a one-on-one with the HR leader, a CEO, a founder, a manager, someone at the executive level, someone at the management level, someone above them, where they should have a one-on-one conversation around whether that's in the beginning, like in the beginning of putting together their compensation package, or whether that's, you know, a couple weeks in, whenever you want to do it. Again, but obviously if it's a new hire, you would do it in the beginning. But if it's a current staff member and you guys have had employees for the last six to 12 months and you haven't done something like this, you can do this as well. I believe you reverse engineer Sarah, you reverse engineer Derek, and you figure out what their bills are 
at a very explicit level, as much as they're willing to share with you. And I believe, again, if you have that emotional glue, if you did the first 30 to 45 days of work, you will be able to ask those tough questions and get a very transparent answer. Go over rent, go over BG&E, go over cable, go over leisure time, go over food, go over kids, go over other expenses, go over savings, go over cash reserves, go over all the different aspects of finances that you think will apply to that human being and figure out what that raw number is what that real number is of what they actually need to live the life they want to live minimally. What I mean by that is, you know, the, the, the numbers, the numbers, and, and we'll all know this, right? Because a lot of people say, well, what if someone says they need 50 grand a month to live? Like, come on, like, like we all will be adults doing this process and know the reality of what that number could be and what that number will be, right? But for every single person, I believe you you reverse engineer that case. The second thing you do is once you understand what that number is, once you understand that data, you can do a couple different things. Number one, you can look into your cash and you can see if you have enough money to individually pay each person what they're worth or what they deserve rather and what they need. Because if you do that, right, what, what, what it's going to do is it's going to slow down and calm down the threat responses in the brain because there's going to be no more threat, no more worry, no more wondering if any certain parts of their tangible life are going to get taken care of and paid. Like that's going to take it off the table, which is going to release so much more positivity for them to be putting into work. And they're going to look at you guys and respect you guys and love you guys for that. Secondly, what you can do and how you can look at this and, and, and how you can go about it is, again, you look into your cash. You figure out a way to do it at an individual level. But let's say tangibly and practically you can't do that. Let's just say you cannot pull that off because operationally, financially, like it's just you're not in the position to do that. What you can do and what you should do is just you should make that a goal. And when you go into your strategic meetings, when you're meeting with your sales teams, when you're meeting with your CTOs, when you're meeting with your fellow executives, you build out system structures, new offerings, programs, services, concepts, business that will be centralized and connected to we are going to infuse X amount of dollars every year, new dollars coming in to be able to reverse engineer each and every employee and give them what we think they will need because that's something that we care about. And that's one of our highest values is having financial safety and freedom and clarity for each one of our employees. Because number one, it's a good human being thing to do. And last time I checked, doing the right thing is always the right thing. But then not only that, we understand the benefits from a business perspective. That's very much the E1B2 way of working and designing compensation. Now, again, please take what I said and, 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 and break it down at a very granular level to your industry, follow policy, don't get yourself in trouble. But I do think there are silver linings that you can pull from that. I do think there are ways that you can, like I'll give you a very quick one, like um, Basecamp does something similar, right? Basecamp pays everyone in their company, like no one makes less than a certain amount. And that amount it's pretty healthy. I want to say it's like 70,000. And I talked about this before. No one, no one, no matter what the role is, out of their 65 people, I think or so, make under 70,000, right? Everyone, right, that deserves it, that has worked hard, that is, that is 
categorized in their certain division. So let's say a CTO at Basecamp, they will always make the top five to 10 percent percentile in 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 San Francisco, in New York. So they'll pick the most financially stable states. They'll pay them the highest percentile in those states based off of their off of their job title. And they may live in Oklahoma. Because they're a remote company. They may live in Canada. They may live in Nebraska. And that amount does not actually correlate to what they need in real time where they live. But they do it because it's the right thing to do. They do it because they know that is the way that they can carve out best practices and best ways of paying their people at the highest level. Um, and, it, and it differentiates, you know, it, it, it makes them different. It makes them it makes them a brand that 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 is. That is someone that will seek to work there. That is excited to work there. Uh, it, it improves their, you know, their employer brand. So, again, why I wanted to record this is I wanted to just start to to hone in on the areas and the ways of thinking around that that are just very much close to the heart with E1B2 that are very much centralized in the way that we're working, the way that we're building out. Not only our holding company, but the way that we're going to be advising and supporting, you know, brands and organizations. And um, hopefully I was able to bring value and hopefully you guys were able to get a good sense. And if you ever see or hear of things that are similar, hopefully you guys think of us and will tag us on social media, send us an email, call me directly. I've given out my number multiple times and let me know the brands that are doing great work, the brands that are doing similar E1B2-esque things, because I want to hear about it. I, you know, I like not once do I ever believe that I am the best of the best. I believe there are so many other consultancies and so many other brands that are already doing this, but I want to know about them. I want the employees, the executives, the brands, leaders to, 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 to come out and let me know what those things are so that we can, that we can, so we can put them on a pedestal. We can tell stories about them. We can congratulate them. We can maybe even bring them onto the show and dissect how they operationally put it together. Because that's, here, here's the bow I'll put on it. That's the big problem. That's the big piece that a lot of leaders have struggled with. In theory, everything I'm saying is great. But then the head scratcher comes. Then the frustration comes. Then the anxiety comes, which is around, how do we legitimately operationally put this together? How do we fucking make this happen? And no one ever has anything to say about that. So um, those are my thoughts. Those are my perspectives. Love you guys. And uh, hopefully I was able to bring value.